Thank you, Carson and band. You may be seated. Good morning. I'm not Pastor Mike. My shirt is tucked in. You know, and I thought from the time he called me about two months ago to ask if my schedule allowed me to be here this morning, I thought, oh, dear Lord, do I wear jeans in the pulpit? So I practiced, and I couldn't do it. And then I said, well, maybe I'll wear a pair of uh, dockers and leave the shirt tail out. I practiced and couldn't do it. So here you got it, right here. This is the best I can get. And uh, when it comes to speaking, I guarantee you I'm no Pastor Mike. You are blessed beyond your, your wildest dream. I, I hear the best. In my role with IMB, I travel all over the country of the United States and out of the, out of the country. But I hear what many people say are the best speakers in the Southern Baptist Convention. They've never been to Celebration Baptist Church. So you are very blessed. And I'll tell you something else you're blessed by. To go to a church that's called Celebration Baptist Church. Think about that. I mean, what more are we supposed to do as his children, as born-again believers, than to get up every single day and celebrate? Celebrate what he's done in our lives celebrate what he's going to do in our lives. And then when we go to a church like this, you get to come in and you get to sit down in a beautiful sanctuary and celebrate corporately. And the other thing is we don't have to worry about people coming in those back doors and carting us out. You do know that many of your brothers and sisters, beginning last night and also today, worship out of fear of being arrested, carted off to jail, losing their jobs. But they know that it is willing, and they're celebrating the fact of what Christ has done in their life. So what I want us to do this morning, I want us to gather here this morning, and I want us to celebrate what God is doing in your life and in the life of this church. And we're going to start by, by just recognizing that there was a team that just got back from Honduras. How many people are here? If you're here and you were on that trip, would you please stand? Okay, we had three, and we had some more in the morning service. The rest of them must have stayed home and slept in this morning. <laughs> now, if you're here this morning and you prayed for these four, would you stand? Now, I want you, church family, I want you to look around. Look around and see what percentage of people are standing. That's worth celebrating over, you know, and to know what God has done in that orphanage through these people. You may be seated has done through these people and through the fact that if you could not go, you prayed and God heard your prayers. So we're here this morning to celebrate that fact and to also celebrate what he's going to do through these offerings of Live Simply that you give today and that maybe you have been giving over this month to see what God's going to do in this next year. I am so excited as I, I look and anticipate of talking with Pastor Michael with, throughout the remaining part of this year and the next year to see what God's going to do through this special offering that you're going to give today. By living simply, you allow other people to simply live with hope because those of the people who were in Honduras saw little children with no hope. I can take you with me to all the parts of the world that I travel to, and I can show you not only children, but young adults, middle-aged, seniors that have no hope. And that's why we can gather here today to celebrate, because we have hope in the risen Savior. Amen? 
That's what we're going to do today. Pastor Mike, thanks for this opportunity to come and to share with this, the sweet people here. You know, I, I've been excited about it because he said this was going to be the last Sunday in, in the series of missions emphasis that you're focusing on just living simply. And uh, as Pastor Mike shared with you, both my wife and I, and, and we just sold out the missions. Uh, and I, I want to tell you, let, let's be honest about this. I wasn't dropped off the truck this excited about missions. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I ran from God's call. I didn't answer God's call to missions until I was 50 years old. And I was running the state of Florida for Aetna Health Insurance Company. I had a really good job. But my wife took a short-term mission trip to, to East Asia, and she came back radically changed, radically changed. And she kept bugging me and bugging me and bugging me. And it was not like we weren't mission-minded people because we were very active members. I was chairman of the deacons at a mega church in, central, in uh, South Florida. And we were active. We were doing, we, we thought we were it. We thought we were the model Christians. And then God radically, radically changed her. And then she started praying for me. And, and, and back then we called it, she bugged me about going to China. You know, and one day on the way to church, I grabbed the steering wheel of my new car. I gripped it so hard that you could see the cowhide juice run out of the cowhide. <laughs> and I looked at her and I said, Chris, would you just drop this China stuff? We'll go someday when, when you know, in a couple years when the financial planner says we have enough money, we'll go and we'll do whatever you want to do then. But just drop it now. Now let's go to church and worship Jesus. <laughs> you guys have had those kind of conversations, some of you before. You know, like kids sit down and shut up. We have those. Many times we don't want to say it, especially in a group this size. But my, my, my blessing out of all that story was she did drop it. She dropped it in the, la, in the laps of about 400 of her prayer partners that she was associated with there at the church. Here's the deal. I traveled throughout the state of Florida because I was responsible for all the production in Florida. And I would come home and I would say, you know, I was just in Jacksonville. This is when we still lived in West Palm Beach. I said, I... I'm not, I didn't have any fun in my office in Jacksonville. And then the next week, I'd say, well, I've got to go to my office in Tampa. And I'd come back from that office, and I'd say, man, I don't understand what's happening. I'm just not having fun anymore. And you know what she would do? She would look at me in that sweet little smile of 32 years that I've really come to love more and more. She'd say, I'll just pray for you. And she had 400 people praying for me already. I was cooked. So finally, uh, during, a, during a missions conference uh, that following year, I just said, how much money is enough? And I answered the call. I resigned my position. We went to training with the International Mission Board, and then we went overseas. God's got plans for all of us because we went over there with the expectation of staying there for life. We sold our home in West Palm Bay, sold everything we had. We put 21 boxes of personal stuff in a, in a storage with air conditioner, and we went over there. We even left a daughter who was a freshman at the University of Florida. You want to talk about being left behind. We went 8,000 miles around the globe and took two of our other three children with us. But God had a plan. He brought us back shortly after that. I served as an executive pastor at a 4,500-member church in Central Florida and uh, felt God calling me to get back into missions. So here I am almost nine and a half years later. And regardless of what my responsibility and the money I made, this is the best job a person could have. I get to go around and celebrate with you all what Christ is doing in the church's lives. And I'll tell you, as I travel, because I'm in churches, uh, I speak on Sunday morning 35 to 50 times a year, and I'm in churches, they'll have 100 people in our sanctuary, and they'll have thousands. And here's one thing I want you to hear that I see, regardless 
of the size of the church. Did you get that? Regardless of the size of the church. When that church sails out and catches a vision for being an Acts 1-8 church. You all familiar with Acts 1-8? Jesus says, and my power will come upon you and you will be my witnesses. What's a witness do? Sit quietly? No, you go to court, you better speak up because you're going to the slammer. You'll be his witness. You're going to talk about what he's done in your life, about what you've seen, the transformation he's made in your life. You'll be his witnesses in where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other ends. Now, we, we can have a theological debate about where Jerusalem is and where Judea and Samaria is, but the way I interpret that, we're to be his witnesses right where we're at. You don't have to go 8,000 miles around the globe like my family and I did to find lost people. Believe it or not, there are lost people right here in Yulee. You're going to find that hard to believe, but there are. You know, there are um, 325 million Americans today. This very morning, 265 million Americans are lost. One out of three Southerners that you bump into in the Bible Belt, one out of three are lost and headed for a real place called hell. Now, I know that's not politically correct to say anymore, but people without a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, when they check out of this earth, that is the only unforgivable, unpardonable sin. Amen? If you don't believe that, we might as well go home. So people say, though, to me, and I see this over and over, about those churches that sell out and they catch a vision for being that Acts 1-8 church, you're more concerned about lost people in your community than you are whether you're singing from the Broadman Hymnal or off the IMAX. You're more concerned about lost people in your state than you are whether the carpet is clean. You're more concerned about the lost people in your country than whether the steeple needs repainting. Sell out. You're sold out. Those churches that I see that are sold out to reaching the people all over the world, those are the only churches that I see that are growing. And it's also interesting, those are the churches that I see that God shows up and does only that work that he can do. It's just amazing. So my point in this is, if you want to see the greatest days of the history of Celebration Baptist Church, you sell out and you continue to sell out to reaching a lost world with Jesus Christ, and God will show up and do that, which only he can do right here in Yulee at Celebration Baptist Church. And then you can celebrate throughout all of eternity because that's what we're going to do, correct? I mean, I love that. And I, there's an old gospel song that, that's got a verse in it. And some of you will remember this and some of you probably will say, where is he quoting from? I didn't know he was that old. It goes like this. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. That tells me that 10,000 years are going to come and go like that. And all we're going to do is celebrate. So if you're having trouble celebrating it when you go to corporate worship here, oh boy, you're going to have trouble in heaven. Because that's all we're going to do. But you sell out the missions and have a vision of reaching the lost people because our one goal, the reason why he left us here, not to build more properties, not to see how much debt we can acquire, he left us here to see how many people we can take with us when we go to glory. That's the only reason. Otherwise, why did he not zap you and I up the minute he saved us? So we have to go and be about what he's called us to do, being mission 
minded and taking the gospel of Jesus Christ all over this globe. Many people will want to, they want to debate me when I tell them that about seeing churches that sold out to missions. They're the ones that are growing. They're the ones that God's showing up in. They want to debate it, but I don't debate it with them. And I'm not a theologian, so I don't spend a lot of time going through the Bible with them. I'm a pretty simple guy. I take them to one scripture, and I know you're familiar with this. John 3.16. Let me hear you say it. That sums it up. That verse right there sums it up why he shows up in the churches that sell out to being Acts 1-8 churches because he paid too dear of a price with the death of his son on the cross to send lost people to churches that don't care about lost people. Does that make sense? Now, another question I run across frequently is people will say, why do we send missionaries all over the globe? It's so dangerous. It's so costly. Because you know it takes about 60,000 U.S. dollars to keep one missionary unit on the field. That's a lot of money when you multiply that times thousands and thousands of units. So it's costly. It's also very dangerous. We know that. We get up and read the paper or look at the computer every morning. If, when you get up and however you get your news, you turn on Fox, you read the newspaper, you turn on your computer, and you go there and you see that there's a war or there's a rumor war, you have missionaries there. We have workers in those places. There was recently a, a, just a devastating earthquake in Nepal. We have workers there. Thank God they're all accounted for and they're all safe. And Pastor Mike will talk about that more later. But you need to pray for your missionaries. And also those missionaries have mama and daddies. You need to pray for those mama and daddies as they struggle with making sure that their, their son or their daughter are safe and being well taken care of. Okay? But what I hear a lot of times when they say, why do we send missionaries? It's so expensive. It's so dangerous. Um, I understand their concern. They, they'll say, let's keep the money right here in, in, in North America and solve our problems. Well, I got news for you. All the money in China is not going to solve our problems here in America. But what I tell them is this, because I understand what they're talking about, because as I mentioned earlier, there's 335, 325 million Americans and 265 are lost. That makes us, those of us who live in America, that we live in a Judeo-Christian principled country. We're the third largest country that's lost in the world. You ever thought about that? The third most lost country in the, in the world. And that's only because India and China have more people than what we do. So I, I, I understand that. I also know that uh, any Canadians here with us this morning? No, you know, it, it's above freezing, so they've gone home. But in Canada, they're, they're, Canada is the most unchurched country in the Western world. There was a survey recently taken uh, by Barna and Associates, a Christian organization out of, out of Texas, Dallas. And three out of ten Canadians, only three out of ten Canadians, say that Christianity and religion has any relevance in their life at all. So people all over this world are lost. So when people say, why do we send people there. I don't debate it with them. I take them to Scripture. And I want, I want to take you there real quickly because I want to make sure we're all on the same page. So the first one I want you to go to is turn to Mark 16, 15. Mark 16, 15. We're not going to stay here very long in this verse. If you find it quicker than your neighbor, go on to John 20, 21. 
and we'll, we'll catch up with you there. But here in Mark 16, 15, we see Jesus speaking, and it's red letter stuff, and Jesus is simply saying, go, go into all the world and preach, now if that makes you nervous, translate it to teach, go into all the world and teach the good news, the gospel to some people, to only those that look like us, only dress like us, only act like us, only eat like us. No, what does it say here? To all people, to all people we must go. Whether they like us, whether they want to hurt us, whether they want to wipe us off the faces of the map, this scripture clearly tells us what we're to do, to go. Now, question for you, and this is kind of like a duh question, but what, what part of go do we not understand as his children? I mean, when, when my wife and I, we're empty nesters now. Praise the Lord. Thank you for children. But when we had children at home and we said, it's time for you to go to bed, Ashley, that wasn't a suggestion. I got news for you. And this is not a suggestion from our commander-in-chief. He clearly says to do what? Let me hear you. Go. Go where? To all the world. And teach to all creation. I love that verse. The other one I, I, I asked you to go to is John 20. 21, if you go there real quickly, it says, Jesus, again, this is red letter stuff. Jesus is saying this. Jesus says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And you know, many times we have a tendency to just get all nervous and worked up when the, the pastor says, we're going on invitation. We're going, to, we're going out on invitation. We're going to go out and see the neighbors or ask you, how many, how many people have you seen this week that you shared the gospel with? What, does this, what, what should we do when reading this verse? We should just rest and just be the witness that he's called us to be because we have his what? We have his peace. We have his peace. Now, uh, if you would, to now take your Bibles and turn over to Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And then we're just about ready to get into the meat. I call these my tablecloth issues. So here we're going to get in uh, one more tablecloth issue, but this is an important one. Look at this one. And you're very familiar with this, with this scripture. It says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, what? Go. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything and I have, that I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very ends of the age. You know, when you look at that verse, does anybody in here other than myself get overwhelmed with the thought of me going and taking the gospel, making disciples to every creature on this earth. But listen to me. We can't let our overwhelming feeling paralyze us. Here's why. You can't spell gospel without go. Try it. Can't do it. You can't spell God without go. Try it. And celebration... Baptist Church, as well as all other evangelical churches, are not being obedient if we don't go. What I call it, we're just living in passive rebellion to a commandment from our commander-in-chief. We just have to go. People's eternal destiny is determined by whether we sit in our comfortable seats on Sunday morning or whether we go out and cross the property line and share the love of Jesus Christ. We must go. We must be his disciples. Okay? All right, now let's go to the meat 
And that's found in Romans 10, 13 through 15. Pastor Mike has already read that. I just want to focus on a couple verses there. I have three parts to my sermon, and then we're going to ask God to bless our time here, and then we're going to go. And Pastor Mike said he's going to meet everybody at the restaurant, and he's buying lunch. <laughs> he's surprised. All right, I want, I want to look at verse 13, because I, I know I, I, speak, I only speak in Southern Baptist churches. And I know many times we're reserved. You know, many times I go into churches and they want me to wear a suit and tie. I have to practice on that too, but I do. But you know, when you, I look at verse 13, man, I just want to hoot and holler. What about you? I mean, because look at, look at this. It says this. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen? Amen. I'm telling you. This is why I'm here. Because I was in the pits of the miry clay of hell at the age of 32. Again, I told you I wouldn't drop off the truck doing this. But God got my attention. And I knew, having been brought up in a, in a Christian family, I knew that there was only one place to turn when my back was so far against the wall I had no, I had no wiggle room. Thank God for this verse. Amen? Now, it brings up a couple questions, though, because it, look at verse 14. How can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone teaching to them? And how can they teach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Let's pray. Pray with me, please. Father, thank you for this time that we have together to, to look at your word. Thank you for the promises that are in your word, especially here in, in verse 13. Father, I will sing praises to you throughout all of eternity because of verse 13 and because I called upon your name. Thank you for that promise. And Father, I pray that if there's one here today, regardless of the age, that knows you not, Father, that they will know that there's no, the, the destination for the non-believer is an eternity in a place called hell, separated from your love. So, Father, I pray that you would do that which only you can do. And this is not about me. It's not about a company. But it is about you being our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You move in this place. Go from chair to chair. Touch people's lives. Father, my prayer is that we are different people, that we're drawn closer to you when we leave than when we came in. Father, thank you for the love that you have for each one of us. But Father, most of all, thank you for the love that you have for me. And I pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Three points. First point is this. The first reason why celebration must continue to live simply is because of the urgent and critical need of mankind all over this globe. The urgent and critical need of mankind is one reason why you must continue to live simply. Watch this brief DVD. Just imagine five and a half billion lost people. Mothers, fathers, and precious children. You are seeing five faces every second. If you were to stare at these faces every second of every minute of every day without blinking, it would take 35 years to see all of the lost people in the world. If you include the hundreds of millions more that would have been born during that time, it would take even longer. 
slow this down to the rate of one face per second, just long enough for you to say Jesus to each one. It would take more than 175 years. Imagine how long it would take if you wanted to tell each one the full story of Jesus. God is calling his laborers to the harvest. Southern Baptists working together for the cause of Christ. Your gifts help make it happen. There are 7 billion people that inhabit <clears throat> excuse me, planet Earth today. 7 billion. 5.5 <clears throat> billion are lost and separated from a, lo the love of Jesus Christ. But listen to this stat here. 1.7 billion people, 1.7 billion, have yet to hear the name of Jesus. Can you comprehend that in the world in which we live? I mean, how many of you in here have multiple computers, multiple cell phones? You're on Twitter. You're on Facebook. 1.7 billion people have yet to hear the name of Jesus. I heard that number back in the late uh, 1999s, early 2000s, and it kind of like went over, right over my head. I said, well, I'll pray for those people. I'll pray that somebody goes and shares with them. But it really hit me when we landed in East Asia in that large city of almost 20 million people. And I would over and over and over from my teammates to my wife to people that, worked, that we worked with, we'd go out and share the gospel. And then we'd come back in a team meeting. We'd say, well, how, how many had heard? And they'd say, no one had heard. And you say, well, that was in the early 2000s, Gib. But let's fast forward to 2013. We have a daughter and a son-in-law who serve in East Asia. And we were over there recently uh, in a city of about 23, 24, 25 million, give or take a million or two. And we were teaching English at this professional school where doctors and dentists and lawyers uh, and everyday people would just come. They wanted to enhance their English skills. And this one young uh, Chinese man took a liking to me, and he and I were going out for noodles one evening. We were going to get some noodles and tea, and we, as I was walking down the street in 2013, I was sharing the gospel with him and sharing scripture with him. And before we got into the restaurant, I stopped and I paused and I said, David, have you ever heard this before? Have you ever heard the story of Jesus? Have you ever heard the name of Jesus? 2013, my dear brothers and sisters, guess what his response was? No, I haven't. Folks, the urgent critical need for mankind all over this globe is why we must live simply. So we can go and so others can go and share the love of Jesus Christ with a dark and hurting world. People in India, people in Honduras, people in the mountains, Peru, people in Egypt, people all over this globe have yet to hear the name of Jesus. Yet we sit in our comfortable pews Sunday after Sunday after Sunday expecting someone else to do it. That's what they get paid to do. And yet the scripture here in red letters tells us to do what? To go. And he doesn't say church staff, church preacher, senior staff, associate pastor, you guys go. He says to go and make disciples of all people. People all over the globe. We have people in our inner cities here in America that have yet to hear the name of Jesus. I bet we have workers, migrant workers close to Yulee here that have yet to hear the name of Jesus. I bet they haven't. We must go, my dear friends. And the reason why we must go is just, it clearly tells us here in verse 13 that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But if you look at that, 
The implication is, A, if you call upon the name of the Lord, you're going to be saved. But also, if you do not call upon the name of the Lord and you go out and face eternity without ever knowing Jesus, you're going to be separated from him throughout all of eternity. That 10,000 years that we all got excited about and clapped earlier, that's going to drag on forever and ever and ever for those who do not know him. That's why you must live simply. That's why you must give so others can go and so you can go. My desire is that most of you in here will go to either South Asia or go to New York City. You want to go to a foreign mission field and not leave America? Go to New York City. In a, in a uh, five square block, the, st the stat I saw in a five square block, depending upon where you pick it, there can be over 600 languages spoken in that, in that area. And many of them are in America. They're lost and they're hurting. Let me tell you another stat that breaks my heart. You know, we spend millions and millions and millions of dollars of taking the gospel to foreign places. And we, and we should. Sometimes even, like in the country where I live, you almost got to, I don't, like, don't want to say fear, but you got to stretch the truth on why you're there. You know, I have a college coaching background. So when, I, when we went overseas, my, my job, according to the Chinese government, was I was a sports consultant. But here's the fact. We have millions of the brightest students in the world flocking to America like never before. Barn and Associates, that Christian organization out of Dallas, they did a survey, and they found this out, that out of all those students that come to America, over 82% of them go back to their country without ever having been invited into an American home. My, what an opportunity we're wasting. What an opportunity we're losing. So just reach out. That's what God calls us to do. There are 6,912 languages spoken in the world today. And there's still 20, almost 2,600 languages that do not have a Bible printed in their heart language. They cannot go home and pick a Bible off their shelf and read about the love of Christ. Here's another reason, though, to follow up why you must go. 70% of the rest of the world is functionally illiterate. So we can print Bibles all day long. We can print Bibles, as we used to say in Illinois, until the cows come home. And it's not going to do any good because they can't, go, they can't read it. 82% of the rest of the world are oral learners. That means someone has to tell them. So that's why it's so important that we get out of our seats and that we go into the uttermost parts of the world and share what Christ has done in our lives. That's the only way they're ever going to know. That's the only way they're ever going to know. We must go. We must be about what he has done for us. So the urgent critical need for mankind to know him is just one reason why you must continue to live simply. You know, um, there are 1.2 billion Muslims in the world today. They're going to bow down this very day. They've already started. They're going to bow down five times and pray to a God that can't even hear. When I was in Cairo, Egypt, not too long ago, I had an opportunity to go into the largest one of the largest mosques in the world. <clears throat> and there were thousands and thousands of men in there on their knees facing Mecca. And that was heartbreaking enough. But you know what was just really devastating to my soul? As they would come walking into that mosque, they would be, carrying, they would be holding the hands of their little boys 
walking in there, teaching them to bow down and pray to a false god. My dear friends, how can we sit by and watch a world die and go to hell? We, we, we must go. We just must go. In that same part of the world, I, would, I went to a part of the city that's called Trash City. And in that part of the world, you know females aren't think, thought of very highly. And all the trash is collected in the, in the city of Cairo and taken to this place. And you could go down the narrow rows of, of that huge trash pile. You can imagine that's a city of 30 million people with all the trash there. And you'd see <clears throat> women of all ages. And you'd see girls of all ages <clears throat> in there on their hands and knees going through the garbage to find recyclables. They weren't finding recyclables to take to the market to buy a new pair of shoes or, a next dr uh, or another dress. They were finding recyclables to take to the market to exchange for food. The rest of the world is suffering. The rest of the world is dying and going to hell. We must get out of our comfort zones and go. 900 uh, hin million Hindus... Uh, almost 150 million of those in January and February, all throughout the country of India, traveled to a point where the two huge rivers, the Ganges and the Yamuna River, where they converge. And they travel to that place and then for days and weeks, and then they jump in when they get there. You know why they jump in at that particular point? Because that's where they're taught they get their salvation. We must go. We must go because of the urgent and critical need of mankind. The second reason we must go is because of the grim reality, the grim reality of millions of people all over this globe. Watch this brief DVD. God's heart is to reach every nation, every tribe, every people with his amazing grace. His one desire, his one passion, is to gather them all before him as a loving father gathers his beloved children. On that day, there will be great rejoicing as all the nations of the world come together before the one who is love and join in an eternal chorus of praise and celebration. For many, however, this day will be very different. For them, it will be the first day of eternal sorrow, an agony of the soul that will never, ever end. Their days will be filled with an insatiable longing for peace and reconciliation. And from the depths of their souls, they will cry in agony for just one drop of living water. And it will never come. 1.7 billion people living among us today are destined for this hell, and they don't even know it. 1.7 billion people have never heard and have no clue. They are the Han, the Sundanese, the Makua, the Tatars, the Bengali, the Amhara, the Quiche, and millions upon millions of others. For most of them, darkness is an ever-present reality. Daily they struggle to find God in the midst of lives mired in poverty, disease, famine, and war. How long must they suffer the darkness when we hold the light? You know, regardless of what people want to 
think or regardless of what people want to say. People without a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, they're lost. And they're going to spend eternity in hell. Many people come to me and they say, surely God will do something for those people. I've got a newsflash for those people. He already has. He used two pieces of wood and three nails and hung his son on the cross. There's nothing left to do for salvation. Everything that's, that needed to be done, he completed it that day on the cross. He said it himself. It is finished. It is up to us, his children, to take the gospel to a lost and hurting world. We must go into all the world. We must just confront the fact, and I know it's not politically correct to preach on hell and to speak on a separation from God forever and ever, but it's in the Word. If you believe God's Word, you can't dispute it. He says clearly there is one way. There is only one way to the Father, and that is through the Son. So those of you who have friends and they're talking garbage to you about there's many, many different ways, you take them to Scripture. That seals it right there. You first have to believe, though, that this is God's inerrant word and there's, no, there's not an error in it. If you don't believe that, you've got a problem and you need to see your pastor. Because this is God's word. We must keep reminding ourselves that the rest of the world is dying and going to hell. We had to do that when we lived in China. We would go to this, this uh, small little place that you've read about in history books, Tiananmen Square. And I say small, but it's about, uh, gosh, I don't know how big it is. Um, but it would get, there would be millions and millions and millions of Chinese that would gather here on holidays because my, my, the people that I love dearly, the Chinese, they know how to celebrate holidays. They'll do it for days at a time. They'll shoot fireworks off. The only place I've ever been in my life that shoots fireworks off in the daytime. They celebrate, you know. But we would go down there and we would rub shoulders with these people. There would be an extra two or 300,000 people there on any given day in addition to the other million or two Chinese that are there. Well, they're all Chinese, but they would gather there and we'd be walking around. We'd be like this. It'd be so crowded. But they'd come up to us and you know what they'd want to do? They'd want to take photos. They'd put their arm around you and they'd say, can we take a photo? And they'd want to do that because they want to take it back to their village or to, to their mountain area where they lived. And they want to show their villagers and their friends, that they saw white people. And here's, here's the one that drove my son crazy. We, we had to come home due to the health of our son because he just didn't adapt well there. Otherwise, you would have never met me. And some of you are saying, boy, I wish you'd still be there. And then we'd be dumb by now. But they would come up to you and they'd want to touch your hair. And they'd want to rub your skin because their hair is so coarse. And ours, what I have left is, well, <laughs> pastor. <laughs> uh, but they, what are you laughing at? <laughs> <laughs> choice. Well, he's saying, okay, let's get back. But they want to come and they'd want to touch your hair and rub your skin. They'd never seen Americans. They had never seen foreigners. And what we, have to, what we would have to keep reminding ourselves is this. While we were having so much fun, 99.9% .9 of those people that would come up that we would have fun with had never heard the name of Jesus. That's why you must live simply. So you can go and so others can go and share the gospel because people all over this globe are lost. You know, a lot, a lot, of, time, a lot of times people would say, well, there's, there's, re there's, there's religion in all parts of the world, is there not? There's religion in China where you live. And I say, yeah, there's religion. There's Taoism. There's Buddhism. There's atheism. There's just no gospel. And that's where you and I come into, to go and to share the love of Jesus Christ. We, we, we just must go. The third reason... Celebration Baptist needs to continue to live simply. It's simply this. 
It is the responsibility of God's children. And who makes up the church? It's not bricks and mortars. It's us. It's our responsibility to go and to share the good news with Jesus Christ. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 is very, very clear about that. Before we watch this last DVD, I want you to think about this. If not us, who's going to do it? You know, I've, I've asked this question in thousands of churches all across the area where I preach. Not one person has ever stood up and said, how about Fox News? If not us, who's going to do it? No one else is going to do it. Here's, and here's the piercing question too. If not now, when? What are we waiting on? I've got news for you. Never in my life have I ever thought that I was this close to seeing Christ come back. I think the only reason he's tarrying is because he desires to not see one person perish. And if we get out of our pews and we get out of our seats and we'll go out into our community, into our state, into our country, into the world and share the good news, they'll hear the gospel of what Jesus Christ has done for them. So it's our responsibility. Watch this DVD, and then shortly after that, we're going to close. You've been very patient. I see a nation like India, where there are more people living below the poverty line than there are people in the United States altogether. Last week alone, a hundred thousand children died of hunger-related diseases. See a world where our dogs and our cats are eating better than our brothers and sisters in the Sudan. In addition to over a billion people who haven't even heard the name of Jesus that's on our lips. And on top of all of that, thousands upon thousands of our brothers and sisters who are imprisoned and persecuted in China and Laos, North Korea and Saudi Arabia. And when we should be on the firing lines for God, when our people should be on the firing lines for God, most of them are still in the nurseries of our churches drinking spiritual milk with the mammoth needs of a world without Christ in front of us. We face two options. We can retreat from this mission into a land of religious formalism and wasted opportunity. Or we can risk everything to fulfill the divine purpose for which we have been created. And I say, let's risk it all. I say let's risk it all for the sake of a billion people who haven't heard his name. I say let's risk it all. We are not living for this city anymore. We are living for the city that is to come. Are we going to die in our religion or die in our devotion? God help us to do the latter. I want to follow that up with this one last question. Why would God entrust to us 
the greatest lostness in all of history if he didn't expect us to do something about it. You think about that. I carry this with me as a reminder of God's grace in my life and your life as Americans. You know, it's only by the grace of God that you and I do not live in a place where the gospel hadn't already been. Only by the grace of God do you and I not live in Mali, West Africa. You do know that, don't you? And I carry this with me as a reminder of that. This is a computer printout sheet of those 2,600 languages that I spoke about earlier that represent over 400 million people who have never seen the Bible or heard the name of Jesus. My prayer this morning is that there's someone here that say, I can be the vehicle that takes the gospel to these people. I can go for a week. I can go for two weeks. I can go for a month. I can go for the rest of my life. But I'll be the vehicle that takes the gospel to these people. You know, Jesus Christ always expects a tangible expression of his children's faith. Does he not? Think about when he healed the man's paralyzed hand. What did he tell the man to do? To go and share. The man who had laid on the mat for years and years and years, and when, when Jesus came by and healed him, what did he tell the man to do? To stay there on that mat? No, even the young boys? No, he says to get up and to go. You know, if you go to Hebrews chapter 11, that great chapter in God's Word that we refer to as the Hall of Faith, if you'll go there this afternoon and you'll read all of those names, those men and those women's names in that Hebrew chapter 11, that Hall of Faith, you'll read that chapter, you'll find out that there's not one person in Hebrews chapter 11, out of all those mentioned, there's not one person that's in there because of what they thought or because of what they felt. They're in there because of what they did in response to God's call on their life. And that's what I want you to think about and pray about this day. What will you do in response to God's call on our lives to go and share the good news? Let's stand and we'll pray about this. Every head bowed and every eye closed. The musician is going to come and begin to play. You bow your head. This is the time where you just do business with God. I know that Pastor Mike here has an open altar. If you want to come and just pray over these names, pray about God using you to go to New York, God using you to go to South Asia, wherever he might be leading you. This is the time that you come and you pray as we begin to play this music. You come. We're not going to tarry long. You come and do business with God as he's leading you.